Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I've been waiting for this weekend for a long, long time. Because see, I celebrate, if you're a guest and you're new to Celebrate, we have every reason to just thank God. For 20 years, next month, we will celebrate that. 20 years, we launched a church called Celebrate, and we've seen God do some amazing things. Unbelievable, amazing things. And we've seen lives transformed, people changed, marriages healed, addictions. We've watched God just overpower people with his incredible spirit and free them. And we've seen it time and time again. But I really believe that God is redirecting our steps in the next 20 years. I don't say that to say that somehow that that he's taking us in a different direction. I think the steps that he is taking us to is into a deeper walk with him. I think he longs to be our God, but over and over in scripture, he says, but see, there is a condition on it. You need to be my people. That's why I think I, 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 I get so frustrated sometimes in my spirit when people just want to pass things off as grace. Grace doesn't simply just sort of justify our humanity. Grace calls us to a deeper walk spiritually. God wants to show you that he's God. But there's a new thing that I think God is awakening in my spirit. And I'm really excited about walking through this book of Daniel. You'll understand in a moment. But one of the things that you're going to hear me do more and more is I asked Pastor Tim and Pastor Austin if it'd be okay that I would be the one to take the scriptures for a moment as we take our weekly offering, which the Bible says we're supposed to set that aside and it's for the work of God. I know there's always people, there'll always be people that say, there you go, church is just interested in money. You do whatever you want with that. I'm not interested in your money, but God is. Because when he has your money, he finally has you. I I just have to say this because I I just want you to really think about it. I just find it interesting in this country because you won't find it in any other country when people come to Christ, just so you know. I just find it interesting in this country that's been so blessed. Why is it that God's people, when it comes to tithing, they want to debate the scriptures as if they know anyway? But how is it that we love God so much we're trying to figure out how we can give Him so much less? What is it about us that we love God so much we're always trying to figure out how we can keep more in our pockets? It just—it doesn't even make sense to me. So I want to show you in the Bible a passage out of the book of Proverbs chapter 3. It'll be on the screen, but here's what it says in verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor. Do you know what honor means? It means you give God the best, not the leftovers. You don't wait to see what you've got on earth and how it works. When my wife and I started tithing, we couldn't do it on paper, just so you know. Bottom line, and I know some people go, here we go, you're going to tell a story. Listen, I, I can only tell you what God's done in my life. And I don't want to be embarrassed about that. I don't want to push that aside. When my wife and I started tithing, we could not do it. We could not afford it. 
Oh, we're, we're passing them now. Okay. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Go ahead. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on. They're already going, so come on up. But the Bible says to honor your wealth. Honor him with your wealth. And so when Kay and I started, we couldn't afford it. But it's crazy that because by doing it, we've got to see the hand of God in our lives. I think we, we, we miss so many of the miracles because we're not afraid to step out and let the miracle worker make it happen. See, God loves my, my finances more than I could ever think, and he's a better banker than I'll ever be. And so when we started doing it, that's when all of a sudden we started seeing story after story after story. And I could tell you after story after story that I get to share with other people. Miracle after miracle where God did what only God could do. Because I stepped out and I said, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you first. So the Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I love the word of the Lord. So let me pray. Father, as we're just walking through this incredible moment of worship, I pray for everybody here. I pray that you would show them what you can do, that they would understand how incredibly um, invested you are in their investments, in their lives. That God, you, will, you said it, if we seek you first, these things will all be taken care of. We need not worry, we need not get all caught up into what the world says happiness is. It's not in what we have, it's in who we know. And so Lord, I just pray for everybody in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. amen. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go to Daniel. Daniel chapter one. And I'm, I've been so excited to talk about how do we live an unshakable life in a very shaked up time in the history of our nation. And as I say that, I'm just talking about the church. It is a mess. God's church is a mess in this country. There are very perilous times that we're in, significant times. And here we have a 15-year-old boy in a book called Daniel, named after who he is, Daniel. He's 15 years of age and everything he is going to face in one moment of time his whole world's turned upside down he will never see his parents again he does not know that in this moment but his entire world is changed a very if you will promising young Hebrew boy you will discover that in a moment his entire world before him and it all looks good and in one moment he's thrust into a very hostile pagan, unbelieving world. And I just said he will never see his mom and dad again. He will never see his homeland again. And this all takes place in the holy city of Jerusalem, which is very dear to God's heart. And we're going to look at this verse by verse. Then we're going to unpack this because I contend this is an amazing, powerful, if you will, key story, a very, if you will, important story for us in our day right now. It's as if this book was written for us in this generation. So here we go, church. By the way, if you don't have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to bring them. I'm going to just share some things because in a moment you're going to know we're making some changes around here that's drawing us to a deeper walk that I believe God's really clearly laid in my heart.
But you need to bring your Bibles. We're going to walk through this book verse by verse. There's things that bring your pen. We're going to circle some words. We're going to draw some lines. We're going to do all kinds of things, put scriptures in our margins, and we're just going to let God's Word do what God's Word said it would do. Amen? So here we go. Daniel chapter 1, beginning the first verse. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, let me read that again and help you so you get clearly what's going on. In the third year of God's king, Jehoiakim, God's anointed, God's raised up leader in a very Hebraic Israel land, in the holy city, God's temple, the Bible says, that Nebuchadnezzar, an unbelieving pagan king, comes into Jerusalem and takes it captive. Y'all get the pictures of what's going on here. Because if you don't, you're going to miss the next four words. And the Lord gave. Now, I want to help you with a very theological important thing that you need to catch. Because if you don't really settle this issue, it's probably why you're going to struggle in a relationship with Christ or maybe a relationship you'll never have in Christ. And so I'm not asking you to shout this out. You just need to answer this in your own mind. When God gives something, does God give what is good or does God give what is bad? See, it's important you settle it because some of you haven't. It's why when something bad happens in your life, you'll say something like this, well, if he's such a good God, where is he? You've not settled a very important theological issue that is foundational to your faith, because I'm going to tell you something about God you need to know. You might want to write in the margin, Psalm 85, verses 3 through 5. You might want to write James chapter 1, verse 17. Can I tell you what it says? Everything perfect, everything good comes from God above. There is no shift in its shadow. There is no skew in its perception. The Lord God is good, and everything he gives is always good. Amen. Just because you can't see it in the moment doesn't any less, if you will, break the promise of who he is. He is a good God, and everything he does is always good. And why do I say that? Because I just told you that a pagan king came into the holy city Jerusalem and he took it over and the Bible says and it was the Lord God who gave Jehoiakim. It was the Lord God who gave his king into the hands of a pagan king. And along with that, he gave some of the vessels from the house of God. And it was he then who brought them out of that land into his land. You will see it, the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels that meant very dear to God's heart into the treasury of his own God. And my Bible, as we just read it, said, and it was God, the Lord God, who made all of that happen. Did you all just read that? Yes. 
See, I think this is a word for the church today because we like to say that America is one nation under God, but I am convinced that the Lord God has given this nation into the hands of the enemy. And the reason for that is is because God's church has decided that they're going to rewrite the word and then justify their own lives against it. I knelt at an altar to become ordained as a pastor. I know other pastors who are now redefining marriage, of which is contrary to God's word. Church people who think the Sabbath day is their day, and therefore they can go against when the Bible says you're not to forsake the assembling of the body. But what about my family? Well, you might want to ask, what about God's? Six days I gave you, there is a day that I set apart. It's the fourth command. The first three talk about who God is. And the fourth one, when he speaks to us, he says, the Sabbath day is God's day. You are to keep it holy. We have church people who want to argue about what a tithe is to keep more in their pocket. But my Bible says we're to honor God. And when we don't honor God, guess what happens? See, we think that we can somehow come along God's word and redefine it. Rewrite it to justify our lives. Young people who say it's okay to be sexually involved even though we're not married because we're going to be getting married. But my Bible says we're to flee sexual immorality. We're a temple of God and we're never to do anything to hurt that temple. But now we have people who want to re-justify it and they want to justify it in their own feelings. But this is what I feel. But let me, we don't walk by feeling, we walk by faith. And faith says that I obey God's word regardless of what I feel. And there'll be people who would say, Pastor, whoa, that ain't going to build the church. Well, I'm not trying to build my church. It's on this rock that God's church will be built. It has got to be the word. And we don't get to have an opinion on it. God never asked us what our opinion. We don't get that privilege. The Bible says, if you love me, you will obey it. And I think the American church thinks that they can play that game and I think that we're in a moment of Babylon. But this isn't a doom and gloom message. This is a message filled with amazing hope. And I want to show it to you. If you look again at verse 3, it says, Then the king, the Babylonian, the pagan king, ordered his chief official to bring some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family, and of the nobles. Look what it does. They're euthanizing people now. Youth in whom was no defect. Youth who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning and knowledge, who have the ability to serve now in a brand new court, a pagan court. And he orders his chief official to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Verse 5 says, and some of those, or verse 6, some of those, were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we know their names in pagan language. Their entire identities are taken. Everything Daniel would know is gone. Everything that he understood 
His life has been shattered. It's an unshakable world. But verse 8 says, but Daniel, 15 years of age, determined in his heart, I will not defile myself. Now, if you keep reading, it says, when it comes to the food and the wine that the pagans drink, and you might think, what is so big about that? Yeah, it's a little thing, but you need to know something about God. God doesn't care about the big things. God cares about the little things because the little things produce the big things. And I've heard people, Christians, say, well, is it really that big a deal? If it's in the scriptures, the answer is, you bet it is to God. And Daniel got that. And verse 9 is the key. Daniel decided, determined, set his his heart apart and said, this is the rock in which I will build. And verse 9 says, and the favor of God fell on Daniel. 15 years of age, his entire world is ripped apart. But he says, but I'm going to be unshakable in a very shaky time because I'm going to do what God asked me to do. I don't care what the culture and the winds, how they're blowing. I don't care what's happening in the world around me. You can take my home. You can't take my heart. You can take my land, but you'll never take my Lord. And the favor of God fell on him. Fast forward. We'll talk about that in weeks ahead. Seventy years later, the pagan king would put Daniel as second in charge. And that pagan king would ask Daniel for every piece of advice. Everything from God is good. Daniel didn't see it in the moment, but he knew in the moment, I need to make a stand for what matters because my God will work it out for good. So I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. God's bigger, but you got to decide. You got to determine. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to pull this apart, but I want to bring a friend to the stage, and some of you know him, but he's 28 years old. Uh, For all you football fans, he played for Nick Saban down at Alabama, had two national championship rings with Alabama, and then he felt that God, his dad went there and was successful, went to the NFL. His two brothers went there, were successful, went to the NFL. But two years into it, he turned to his dad and said, Dad, I think God's calling me to be an actor which was a good decision because if you wanted to keep renting rings, you'd have to transfer to Clemson. But anyway, um, but I just thought I'd share that. So obviously God was at work, wasn't he? (laughs) Anyway, but, but, but I love, I love the fact 28 year old guy, he started in Woodlawn that would launch a career. He would move out to LA and he is in the epicenter of Babylon. And yet he is a modern day Daniel at 28 years of age who said, I will not defile myself. And I'm asking him to come share just a little bit with me. So would you welcome Caleb Castile? Regular old comedian here. <laughs> a joke is usually something that isn't true. You know what I mean? Oh, my. Caleb, I am thrilled that you're here because you really are a modern-day Daniel. Hmm. What God is, I mean, you, you have understood what it means. I mean, an incredible family who has raised you up to understand that. But as a young man saying, you know, I'm right in the middle of it. And you've had unbelievable opportunities, I'm sure, to just kind of fudge the lines a little. 
but there's something about that you have determined in your heart. And I want you to unpack that just a little bit for us, would you? Sure. Good morning, everybody. You all good? I'm so glad to be here. Um, love Sioux Falls. And um, yeah, me and, me and Pastor Keith have been having this open uh, dialogue the past couple of days over, over Daniel. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's such a, um, I, I think I, I, I value more and more um, the way that you've, you've, you've spoke about me um, the, the past couple days and how, you know what, like, you know, the world w will try to say like, you know, oh my gosh, that, that's so weird, that's so abnormal, it's this, is that, and they put a label on you, but it's something to be, as children of God and, and as walking in obedience, it's something to be proud of, you know? Yeah. It is something yeah. to be proud of, yeah. and um, yeah. I think we should take pride in that. And, you know, for me specifically, um, it just started with a decision, you know? Um, it started with a decision that was kind of similar like Daniel's. And um, as I was thinking over the past couple minutes, I was really thinking like, Lord, like what sparked that decision um, in my heart? And, you know, we live in such a crazy world. I live in such a crazy city that to be honest with you, I'm like, man, I, God, I need your hand on my life as much as possible for me to be an effective vessel, you know? And I, I, and I think about that decision and I'm like, I was, you know, it talks about how the favor of God fell on Daniel's life. And I'm like, man, God, that's, such a, that's such a profound thing to know that you can move the hand of God. That's so cool. By your actions, by your decisions to follow and obey. And I was mm, thinking about that. Good. And I was like, man, you know what? I need all the favor I can get, you know, <laughs> especially in my business. I'm like, roles don't come easy, you know? And I'm like that, but I love that holiness is something that separates you, not only separates you, but it rescues you from so many decisions. Unpack yeah. that. I love that line. Yeah. Well, you know, I can look at all of the, the wrong decisions that I've made and how I've needed God to rescue me from that situation, right? Though, when you make a, a bad decision. But there's so many decisions that you can make leading up to a certain situation that will rescue you from the, the whole situation uh, to begin with. And I love that holiness does that. You look at Daniel and, 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 and his decision separated him and it, and it even rescued him from that fire. So I think that, that those principles, you know, and, and the decision to, to, to walk a certain way, man, it just rescues you from a lot of stuff that you just otherwise wouldn't have to deal with or would deal with. You've been praying over for the last several weeks. You felt the spirit of God really lay on you about just praying the, the armor of God over your life. Sure. I want you to share that, just how much that means to you and what it's been doing for you. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny. I think back to the times when I was 
seven, eight, nine, ten years old going to vacation Bible school and you learn to, you know, put on the helmet and you put on the breastplate of righteousness and, and all of these things you pray, but you don't really know the significance of what you're praying, right? But I believe as, 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 as children of God, like, we are purposed here, right? We're in a battle. Whether you realize you're in a fight or not, <laughs> you fighting, <laughs> you know? The enemy don't sleep and neither does God, right? So every single day, how are you, how, I had asked myself, how am I equipping myself every day to go to battle? And there's one thing you need in battle is armor. You need God's protection. And for me, that's one of the quickest ways to go in God's word and find the exact armor. He lays it out exactly what we need every day. So I just started praying that over myself, you know, consistently. And I just found uh, that my whole perspective has changed. And, and, and not only that, but it's really empowered me every day to walk in victory. You've been reading a book by Eldridge. And you already alluded to a quote in there. Sure. But that book's been really talking about just this uh, temple that we are yeah. and the heart, how much we must guard that. Yeah. And uh, that book has really meant a lot to you. Yeah. And it's, it's helped you. It's one of the things I loved when we talked on the phone. You just kept going back to that book. Yeah. Um, can you just unpack that a little bit too as well? Sure. So this, this book by John Eldridge in, in, in it, um, it talks about holiness and the title of it actually is the utter relief of holiness and i think that there's so much i think that that we've we've painted holiness as this thing that is unattainable like in church you know that this thing that's like well i'm a sinner i'll always be a sinner and blah 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 blah, blah. and i think that's an excuse i think that's a lie actually i think that we've We've bought into this lie that you have to learn to deal with that thing that happened to you, right? A lot of us, our temples were defiled when we were young, when we were little, when it was things that you were out of, that were out of your control. But I love the fact that Jesus says that he comes to give life and life abundantly. So bondage and abundance cannot coexist. Mm, that's good. And in that book, I love the, the utter relief of that and knowing that my body, my temple, my mind, everything that in every aspect of how God created me is sacred. The only way you can defile something is if it's sacred. And what sin does is I think it just distorts our view of ourselves before God. When we walk in, into those things that we know we're not supposed to be in, we, as children of God, we, we, don't, we don't see ourselves the same anymore. He still sees you as, as, as holy and set apart, right? But this, this specific book, I, I love how he just reiterates over and over how when you know you're sacred, you'll treat yourself as such. Mm. Your value comes from God. You're made in the image of God. So... I think that's a powerful thing that we can all learn from. Man, that's good. Would you thank Caleb for being here? Would you do that? I'm so proud of you. Totally proud of you, buddy.
we're going to unpack this now, so if you've got a place to write some notes, we're going to go through this rather quickly and put some skin on this and some things that we need to really grasp as God's people and understand we've been talking, we're in a battle, but we're warriors, we're God's kids, we're on the winning team. And so some things that we need to learn from this and why Daniel set himself apart. And the first thing I want you to write down is this. Crap happens. <laughs> well, we laugh about it, but I wonder if we believe it because when it happens, we as Christians act so shocked. Can I show you what's in the Bible? This is in the Bible. Peter writes, never be shocked or surprised when you suffer through painful tests and trials if something strange is happening to you. Folks, shakeups, breakups are a part of this side of heaven's makeups. Crap happens. Everything is broken. Look at some right now and say, everything is broken. It's true. Everything is broken, which means everyone is broken. Your marriage is broken. Your family is broken. The weather is broken. The economy is broken. The economy is broken. The economy is broken. The economy is broken. And in a broken world, you know what you're going to experience? Broken. Jesus said it. John 16, verse 33, in a godless world, you will experience godlessness. You will experience broken. But you know what Jesus said? But take heart, I've overcome the world. One translation says, I conquered it. Now watch what Jesus goes on to say, because this is important. I've told you this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable and deeply at peace. Friday morning, I got a phone call early in the morning. It was from Pastor Monty from Omaha. Calls me up. This is his opening line. Oh, Pastor Keith. And I'm trying to put the emotion behind as well. Oh, Pastor Keith, God must really be up to something big like this weekend. I'm like, all right, man. He goes, I got to tell you a story. I said, last night at 10 o'clock, the police showed up at my door. Now, if you understand our church plants, we send warriors into battle. Now, when they do a church plant, they don't have a building. So they have church in a hotel that they rent. And so everything they have goes in a trailer. And the weekends, they pull it out of the trailer all the equipment, everything they need, and then it goes back in the trailer, they lock it up, park it, and that's what they do. It's all in a trailer. He said, cops came to tell me that someone took our trailer, and here's what it looks like. They lit it on fire. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. See, it's that right there. Why would you react that way? Did you see what I'm saying? Monty wasn't shocked. I just told you, Monty's words to me were, oh, Pastor Keith, God must be up to something big. He told me the story, and then he followed up with this, the devil messed with the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, 
We didn't plan a church to be comfortable and casual. We planned a church that would storm the gates of hell. And when you storm the gates of hell, the devil finds ways to try to derail that. Crap happens. But this is why I told you, but everything God does is good. Because just as true when crap happens, guess what else happens? Christ happens. We're in a spiritual war. God and the devil are going at it. But God is the victor. The devil just hadn't figured that out yet. And he's doing everything he can to try to harm and hinder your life. But here's the part I have to add that you need to understand because I told you everything good comes from God. And so just as true that crap happens, Christ happens, you need to catch this. But the happening of Christ are always good, but most of Christ's happenings are just misunderstood. Because some of the struggles you're going through were actually God. And you'd say, but you just said that God doesn't do anything that isn't good. That's because they're, from your perspective, just misunderstood. Daniel could have looked around and went, okay, God, I don't get this at all. He didn't do that. Daniel looked around and said, but God's got it. See, there's four things you need to understand about Christ happenings I want you to write down, and we're going to go through these really quick because my Bible says that the plans that God has me are always good. They're not to harm me. They're not to hurt me. But sometimes they're in my life because God's trying to help me. You with me on that? Because here's what I've discovered. Christ will shake things up in my life because sometimes God needs to inspect me. See, like a tea bag, you really never know what's in it until you drop it into hot water. Isn't that true? Look at Deuteronomy 8.2. This is in the Bible. God led the Israelites. Who's leading? Okay, now watch. God led the Israelites all the way in the desert for 40 years to humble them and to test them in order to know what was in their hearts. Isn't that interesting? Because the why behind what you do is more important to God than just what you do. He wants to know where your heart's at. See, our problems are nothing more but a measuring tool. How you respond or react to them speaks volumes about who you really trust. You can whine in it or you can dine in it. So God will shake things up sometimes because he wants to inspect you. So the question you need to ask yourself right now is, what do my problems, what do my trials really reveal about me? And if you're not sure, just ask your loved ones. Ask the world around you. I know <laughs> that sometimes the doctor will give you news you don't want to hear, but I just want you to know there's another doctor. And my Bible says he always has the last word. What is God doing? Here's number two. God will shake things up sometimes because God needs to correct me, not just inspect me, but God needs to correct me. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 12? God corrects all of those he loves. 
In fact, Job said it this way, consider yourself fortunate when God all-powerful chooses to correct you. When's the last time you went, man, God, thanks. That hurt. That was awesome. You know? <laughs> Folks, listen, I will tell you this. A parent that doesn't correct their children doesn't love their kids. That's just a fact. Hebrews 12 says this, God corrects us for our own good. Watch this. Caleb talked about it because God wants us to be holy as he is. It's never fun, he writes, to be corrected. In fact, at the time, it always is painful. But if we learn to obey being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. In fact, verse 27 of that same chapter says this, all of creation will be shaken by God so that only the unshakable things will remain. So the key question you want to ask yourself is, what are my problems, what are my trials teaching me? Am I learning? Am I growing? Here's number three. God will shake things up because sometimes God needs to direct me. God needs to direct me. I don't know about you, but I, I like to wander at times. Anybody? Am I alone here? I kind of like, I'm alone. Okay, that's fine. You all are perfect. But anyway, um, I, I, like to, I like my own way sometimes. I can be selfish. Anybody else there? Hmm, it's true, isn't it? Here's what I've discovered. Pain can be an incredible motivator. I'm sad to tell you as your, as your pastor, sometimes I don't change that much when I see the light. But I'll change rather quickly when I feel the heat. And sometimes God will turn up the heat. In fact, the Bible says that in Proverbs 20, 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Unfortunately, sometimes in the painful experience, some of the ways that people change is away from God rather to him. It's crazy, isn't it? So the key question you need to ask yourself then is, where are my problems leading me? God wants to make sure our feet are pointed in the right direction. Here's the fourth, and I'll invite the team to stage. God will shake things up because ultimately he wants to perfect me. God's highest of want for your life and my life is that we would be like Jesus. That we would be like Jesus. In Margaret Clarkson's book, Grace Grows Best in the Winter, here's what she writes. It's possible to grow during the bright, fair weather times, but growth is faster and deeper during the darkest of days. You remember when Jesus said we need to pick up our crosses? You know what I think it really means translating it? We need to crawl up on our crosses. And we need to die to ourselves so we can be resurrected like Jesus. We need crosses in our lives. So we'll die on them. Folks, there's no shortcut to Jesus. There's just none. If we want to grow and truly be like Jesus, well, pain is part of the journey. Trials and testing is part of it, people. Peter writes this. After you have suffered a little while, notice, you will suffer. After you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who calls you to share his eternal glory and union with Christ, watch this, will himself perfect you and give you a firm strength and a sure foundation. See, church, problems aren't our problems. Problems are really our God-given opportunity. I say it all the time. I don't get Christians who need to be on the mountaintop and get everything they want so they can praise God. When you read the Bible, you'll discover all of the great godly people did that when they were in the valley. 
They just sang the praises of God because God is always good. It might be bad for a moment. Oh my goodness, what is God going to do with this? Daniel got this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding, your own feelings, your own ideas. Honor the Lord in everything you do, everything you face, and he will give you success. Daniel knew it. At 15 years of age, I will not defile myself. I will not on anything. God's word said it. I'm going to trust it. That's it. And the Bible says, and the favor of God rested upon him. I don't like maybe what's going on, but regardless of how the winds blow and the rain falls, on this rock I will stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. Remember I told you about the trailer? Can I get the picture back up there, please? After last night's service, a gentleman came up to me and he says, I'm a welder. Almost every trailer is made out of aluminum. Pastor, you probably don't know this, but it, for aluminum to melt, it has to get to 1,700 degrees. Does anybody know how hot 1,700 degrees is? If you look at the trailer, it actually, you can see it tear dripping as it made it so soft, it just melted it. Chris, Monty sent me pictures. Everything in the trailer was consumed. You can see it. except laying in the bottom of the trailer was God's word. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know what that does to you. As I'm holding it, I can still smell the char. I can still smell the smoke. And when you turn the pages, it burned the edges until the words started. It was in a tub with their prayer table stuff. Everything was consumed except God's word. Now, I know there's probably some of you scientists rationally trying to figure out in your mind, how could that have happened? And you might want to come up and foolishly try to explain that to me. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, um, and you're welcome to do that. But there is no explanation explanation except God. There is such a message in this. See, you, I can't tell you what you're going to do, but I'm here to tell you this. This word is life. This word is truth. And it changeth not. And regardless where man goes, we can screw things up. We ought to look around just long enough and realize we're not very good at what we do. But God's got a plan. The problem in America isn't God. Can I be honest with you? It's God's people. When God's people humble themselves and pray, the Bible says, and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Over and over you'll see it. I'll be your God. You be my people. I'll show you what I can do. The hope of America is in this room. It's when we understand that I will do what God asked me to do, period. That's the end of it. I will not defile myself. You ready for this? To not defile yourself isn't trying not to sin. To not defile yourself is to be obedient to God's word. Amen. 
That's what that means. What David said, or Daniel said was, I, I'm not going to think about sinning. As Caleb shared, when I choose holiness and do it God's way, he just rescues me from everything else. If you've committed sin in your life, it's because you chose to do that. James talks about that. You want to keep from sinning? Submit, therefore, to God. You'll naturally resist the devil because God's already taken care of it. You're just doing the right thing. Acknowledge God in all your ways, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your life. Some of you need a touch of the Spirit. The Bible says we're to test God. He says, come on, test me. I'll show you what I can do. Well, I'm taking him at his word. I believe our church needs to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're changed our purpose statement at Celebrate. Here's the inaugural day. You'll hear about it more. We used to be, it said, Celebrate is devoted to growing thousands of people to be in Christ. We're not doing that anymore. When I was on my sabbatical, I felt God say over and over, Keith, I don't want you to do that anymore. I just want you to do one thing. And it's just two words. Help people meet Jesus. Because when you meet him, he will change you. When you meet him, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come in and he will convict you, he will guide you, he will teach you. The Spirit does a work that we can't begin to fathom. But here's the kicker. People won't meet Jesus unless God's people are going to start being Jesus. I just want people to meet Jesus because when they meet him, these things start changing. The story of the rich young ruler wasn't about money, people. Remember that when he said, I've done all those things, Jesus. I've kept all the commandments. Jesus says, there's one more thing you need to do. He goes, what is it? He says, sell everything you have and come follow me. And the Bible says he turned and walked away. It had nothing to do with money. The story of the rich young ruler was, how do you walk away from Jesus? Because he didn't know him. Didn't know him. So I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to open up the altars. We have people that will be up here. I've been working with them and talking about what it means to really pray with people. Some of you need maybe a physical healing. We want to anoint you with oil and trust that God's going to do a miracle. Some of you need your marriage. You need it healed. Some of you, you say, I need my finances here healed. Well, let me help you with it. The first thing is God's going to say, then you honor me with the first fruit and watch what I can do. I'm just being honest with you. Some of you, the way you've been dating. Some of you, it's the way you've been going to work. Some of you have anger issues. Some of you have, there's addiction. And I'm here to tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit wants to change that in your life. God wants to show you what He can do, that you trust Him. Some of you just, you just need to surrender. So I'm going to pray. The team's going to sing. The altar will be open. But as I pray, I'm going to ask everybody here to stand. Father, in your presence, we want to stand. God, I can't think of a better picture of a trailer being consumed with all this earthly stuff in it. But God, we're in a church and the church needs to know this. The very next day, we sent a brand new trailer down there full of every piece of equipment they needed so they're having church this morning. I love a church that responds and says, oh my goodness, that's what we get to do. But God, there's people in this room that need, they need your spirit. They need to meet you. They need to realize what you can do. They need to acknowledge your ways. And I'm, I'm even as I'm praying, some of you, I'm, I, I want you to understand. I'm going to show you how the Spirit works. Some of you know you have a thought right now. That thought came from Jesus. Some of you have a, a you can feel it on your heart. You know that that's the Holy Spirit working in you. And here's what I would encourage you to do. 
Respond to it. Move through your pride. Don't worry about what's around you. Move through it. God's trying to speak. And the more you're obedient to the Spirit, the more you'll be very apparent to when He's speaking in your life. And I'm going to invite you, and I'm praying that you just come. Some of you need to come. The team's going to sing. And the words, may they be our anthem. We can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without Almighty God.